0: Hello, my rebels. Today, I make a prediction. Oh, I don't make it happily, but sometimes predictions, you know, it's different from what you hope to happen, right? I predict, well, I I won't give it away now, but I make a prediction about what will happen at the United Nations vote tomorrow on whether or not Canada will be given a temporary visitor's pass to join the UN Security Council. Justin Trudeau's put all his eggs in that basket. Oh, he's betting big I'll give you my prediction. Before I do, let me invite you to become a premium subscriber. We got this thing called Rebel News Plus. It's basically the video version of this podcast, plus shows from Sheila Gunn-Reed and David Menzies. It's 8 bucks a month, 80 bucks for the whole year. Not a lot of dough, I might say, if you compare it to the other streaming services, but it's the only place you're going to hear the other side of the story in politics in Canada. Please go to rebelnews.com and click on subscribe. It would be a great favor to me, because we use that money to pay our bills. Okay, here's the podcast. podcast. Tonight, Justin Trudeau's obsession with the United Nations faces a test tomorrow in a key UN vote. Here's why I think Trudeau and China will win. It's June 16th, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail why? when you're a biggest carbon Ezra. consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why i is because it. it's, it's my bloody right to do so. The United Nations is one of the worst things in the world. I, I know it didn't mean to be that way, I don't think it started out that way, but it has been captured and corrupted and gamed and bought and sold and absolutely hijacked. It embodies two of Robert Conquest's laws. You know him, he's the late historian. Uh, one of his laws was any organization not explicitly right-wing sooner or later becomes left-wing. I mean, that's so obvious it almost goes without saying, especially for a government institution, especially something that fancies itself as a sort of world government. And another one of conquest rules, the simplest way to explain the behavior of any bureaucratic organization is to assume that it's controlled by a cabal of its enemies, as in, it's not about peace, it's not about freedom, it's not about human rights, it's not about democracy, it's about the opposition to all of those things, the opposite of all of those things The World Health Organization, as we've just learned, isn't about sharing information about health and pandemics. It's about covering up that information, weaponizing that information, hiding things. That's why the countries that trusted the WHO the most were the hardest hit. And the countries that were the most skeptical, like Taiwan, which is actually banned from the UN, they got through the pandemic the best because they didn't believe the lies. So I think that's all obvious. I think that it's much worse than we even know. Um, UN peacekeepers are amongst the world's most predatory child rapists, for example. Just horrific stuff. I'm just giving you one of a thousand examples. Uh, Continues to this day. I mean, if that doesn't tell you the nature of the UN, nothing will. How about this? The UN just decided it's going to investigate racism. Of course, they don't mean racism in, I don't know, places like China, uh, but the Uyghurs. They mean in places like America, Canada, the UK, and Israel. But as Hillel Neuer of UN Watch points out... um, the world's most racist and brutal regimes are the judges. UN human rights members include Mauritania, with 500,000 black slaves to this day. Venezuela, with Maduro's tyranny, and Qatar, which enslaves migrants. Libya, same thing. They have slave auctions. They have open-air slave markets in Libya. This inquiry will be a farce. Of course it will. So why does Justin Trudeau so desperately want to be a part of it? Now, of course, every country is a part of the UN except Taiwan that was kicked out to appease communist China, which is an outrage. But why, why does Justin Trudeau so desperately want a temporary seat on the UN Security Council? Just to refresh your memory, there are all sorts of UN agencies, right? There's the Human Rights Council I just mentioned. There's the World Health Organization. Countries can be member of all those little committees except Taiwan. By the way, China runs... Five UN agencies, more than any other country does. They're taking over the UN and its purposes. And all countries are part of something called the General Assembly. It's just a giant, really, international parliament of sorts, 193 countries in it. And every country is equal, really, tiny Nauru. Population 13,000. I challenge you to find Nauru on a map. That's equal to, say, Germany, population 83 million. Uh, Each have one seat on the General Assembly, each have the same vote. So obviously it's just a talk shop, just a way for people from Nauru to get a free trip to New York City. It's an amazing city and they get to hobnob with fancy people from, you know, bigger countries. I tell you, if you ever go to the UN building in New York City, you can see it's surrounded by gorgeous hotels and restaurants. It's such a pleasure for anyone just to be there. I suppose that's most of Manhattan. But it's nothing really, the General Assembly, because the U.S. and Russia and China and the U.K. and France, those countries do whatever they want. They don't wait for permission from Burkina Faso. There are absolutely two tiers of countries at the U.N. Uh, There's the permanent members of the Security Council, those five countries I just listed, Uh, Russia, the United States, France, um, uh, the U.K., and Britain. It was uh, those five were chosen after World War II. (laughs) How else could you explain France being there but not India, for example? There are many quirks um, about the UN. You've got those top tier members, and then you've got everybody else. My point is mainly who even cares, right? Name for me a war that the UN averted. Name for me a famine that they ended. Name a terrorist attack they stopped. Name for me any impasse they resolved. Did they fix the the Syrian civil war? Did they stop? Oh, just to pick something. Slavery in Mauritania? I don't mean slavery way back in ancient days. I mean slavery right now. Millions of modern day slaves. Has the UN solved the problem of North Korea? You tell me. Who defeated ISIS and killed their terrorist boss? Not the UN. Problems are solved by nation states themselves. And since the fall of the Berlin Wall, that's almost always meant the United States, the last remaining hyperpower, Who's there for disaster relief? It's the US Navy. That's who. But China is rising. They want to be a rival. Iran is a regional problem. Russia, it's a shadow of its former self, but it's still a factor, especially in places like Syria. It has nuclear arms and oil. The UN, in many ways, has a united nothing. It used to be a meeting place for the world's diplomats, and now it has its agenda of its own and its own enrichment and perpetuation, such as the annual feast and festival thrown for the global warming partiers. I mean, Who wouldn't want to jet to Paris for that big global warming meeting? That Paris meeting was right after Trudeau was elected prime minister. He went there. He brought the world's largest delegation. Going by memory, I think he had over 300 people with him. Catherine McKenna literally hired a fashion photographer for $6,000 to attend to make sure she looked great. Global warming was not solved, but boy did they have a party. And that's what Trudeau wants. He wants the party. He wants to be an insider, a player. So he wants a seat on the UN Security Council. Obviously not one of the permanent seats. US, UK, Russia, France, and uh, China. But uh, he wants to be the UN's, he wants the UN's member countries to vote for Canada to be one of the temporary members on the Security Council. Now, temporary members, unlike the five permanent members, don't have a veto over things. But they get to hang out with the cool kids for a couple years, go to some of the same meetings, get some of the same photo ops. That's what Trudeau craves. Travel, photo ops, huge expense accounts, getting away from small Canada and our small problems. He's been checked out of his job as prime minister for months mentally. He's self-hiding at home. He's got his vacation beard. He's obviously demotivated. He's just phoning it in. He's just at home phoning it in. But this UN thing really seems to motivate him because it's his escape plan. Get on the UN Security Council. Be a good boy for the main voting blocks of the UN, which are China and China's colonies, and the OIC, which stands for the Organization of Islamic Cooperation, 57 Muslim countries led by the Saudis. So if Trudeau can get on the UN Security Council with a vote of all the little countries... He can party in New York all the time, hang out with his old friend Gerald Butts down there. He can live his Canadian problems to others like Christia Freeland. And after a term on the Security Council, he can make his big personal play to be the first Canadian Secretary General of the United Nations. And he could be a shill for China and the OIC, just as he has been as Canada's Prime Minister. And it's precisely for that reason, if you look at his voting bloc, China and Arabia. Precisely for that reason that, unlike most of Canada's pundits, I think Justin Trudeau will actually win the vote tomorrow. Now, just to be clear, different countries from different regions run against each other. So right now, Canada is not running against 193 countries. It's running just against Ireland and Norway for this one seat. Here's Canada's official campaign page. Look at the issues Trudeau's running on. Peace. That's code for anti-Americanism, natoism Rolling back the war on terror. That's what that means. Climate change. Same thing. Rejecting Trump's embrace of fossil fuels. OPEC loves this because it means Canada will take ourselves and the oil sands out of the world business, leaving it to them. Promote economic security together. Now, you might think that means, oh, growing the economy, free trade, cutting taxes, that sort of thing. And you're probably thinking, well, Canada doesn't do that too well. But if you click on the link, you'll see it means the opposite. Uh, it means Canada giving more of your tax dollars and foreign aid to, to countries who vote for it. It's ideologically globalist and it's just a bribe, really. Uh, Advance gender equality together. That's not a shot at Saudi Arabia or Iran or places like that. Trudeau doesn't mean that. It's just his standard message as a male feminist. He says it constantly as a preemptive defense against his own groping history. And finally, strengthening multilateralism is just another way of saying he's anti-Trump. Trump Trump rejects globalism. Trump withdrew from the Paris global warming thing. Uh, Trump believes in America first, whether it's military or economics or trade or energy. Trudeau is telegraphing in actually every single one of these points that he wants to get on the UN Security Council to be the leader of the opposition to America and to Trump in particular. Normally, that job falls to the third world, to the old Soviet Union, to China. And the first world, the allies, NATO, the Western democratic countries stick together. And by that, I mean stick with our principles of freedom, trade, democracy, security, not Trudeau. Trudeau wants to undermine the world's leading democracy within the UN, just as he has done for the last five years from Canada. Look at this. Uh, This is a headline in Reuters. Canada sees tight UN Security Council race, says coronavirus response could help. Oh, really? What was our coronavirus response? It was terrible from a national interest point of view. We didn't ever stop uh, flights coming in from China. They continued the whole time. We didn't screen at airports. But we gave billions of dollars to the China-run WHO. We gave billions of dollars in foreign aid to any country that would take it. it was, uh, we, we never doubted China and their propaganda. We never criticized China. In fact, Trudeau obeyed China. Trudeau refused to even acknowledge Taiwan. Remember this terrible moment. This question is directed to the Minister of Foreign Affairs. On March 28th, he personally tweeted out a thank you to the People's Republic of China for donating PPEs to Canada. This tweet happened within three hours of China announcing that gift. Now, as it turned out, many of these PPEs were defective and could not be used. More recently, Taiwan donated half a million surgical masks to Canada. And yet here we are, two weeks later, and the Minister has yet to personally thank Taiwan for its generosity. Will the Minister now thank this free and democratic country for its generous gift to Canadians? The Honourable Minister.
1: Mr. Speaker, I'd like to thank uh, my colleague for the question. Indeed, we are very grateful to every nation for helping Canada. This is a global pandemic which knows no border. Uh, We have been expressing our thanks to many nations who have contributed. We will continue to do so. Uh, It is important at a time of pandemic, Mr. Speaker, that we don't play politics, uh, that humanity comes together. I can say to my COVID foreign minister's call, uh, the world community has come together to make sure that we would uh, make sure that supply chain would remain intact. That we would have transit of. That we would have air bridges. And we will continue, uh, Mr. Speaker, to work with every nation when it comes to health. This is a public good that we want to work together. We with will go back to me.
0: that is the coronavirus response that Trudeau thinks is going to win it for him. Our foreign minister literally owes the Chinese government one point two million dollars in a bizarre loan. He won't say a cross word about China, despite them having two Canadian hostages now coming up on two years. We literally gave all of Canada's emergency masks to China during the pandemic. So do you see my point? Why wouldn't China vote for Canada and tell all of China's African colonies to do the same? Why wouldn't the OIC Muslim countries do the same? Trudeau quit the war on terror. Trudeau gave millions of dollars in a public apology to a terrorist named Mercado. Trudeau met with this bizarre man who went to Afghanistan to hang out with the Taliban, Trudeau, literally the first thing he did after being elected in 2015, before he was even sworn in, he removed our CF-18 jets from the war on ISIS. Why wouldn't every one of the 57 Muslim countries in the OIC vote for Trudeau too? Not to vote for Canada. I mean, Canadians are democratic. Canadians believe in freedom. Canadians are, you and me are, more hostile to China, according to public opinion polls, than any other people in the world other than the Swedes. No, the OIC in China don't, don't like Canada very much. They don't like Canadians very much. China takes us hostage. But boy, do they sure love Trudeau. And I guess fair fair, because the feeling is mutual, isn't it? Yeah, I'm going to go out on a bit of a limb here. Unlike a lot of people, I think Justin Trudeau is going to win the vote tomorrow. Which means, I think that freedom and democracy and accountability and Canada's national interest is gonna lose. But China and the Muslim countries, well, they're about to do a victory lap. In your face, Donald Trump. Stay with us for more. back I've done a couple of episodes on this before you know the CBC has a kids propaganda unit it's written by adults of course but it's designed to propagate political ideas to minor children, including children of tender years. I find it very creepy and very bizarre, but it's a project given great importance under Justin Trudeau. Well, they took a subject that is definitely for grown-ups, that's of transgenderism, and they weaponized it in a bizarre attack against children's author J.K. Rowling. Here, watch about 45 seconds of the CBC's Kids News propaganda department.
1: Well, let's get into it. Veena, what has you fired up this week? Well, I've been following this JK Rowling controversy, and it all started with a tweet she made. Actually, it started with this headline, creating a more equal post-COVID-19 world for people who menstruate. JK took issue with the word people being used. Maybe she was trying to be funny, but she hinted that the publication should have stuck with using the word women. Some fans pointed out that there are lots of those who menstruate who don't identify as women. And then things got a little messy. Lots of tweets back and forth. And at one point, JK fired back with, my life has been shaped by being female, and I don't think it's hateful to say so. It's 2020. Releasing these kind of statements online is
0: not a good look. Oh, and it went on from there. These teens reading perfectly scripted, Pro trans attacks on J.K. Rowling for daring to say women are women. I like how they let the young man there mansplain to J.K. Rowling that it's not a good look in 2020 to say you're a female. It went on. Every word of it, written by an adult, handed to those child actors to read all of it inappropriate for children of tender years. Joining us now via Skype to talk about it is our friend Andrew Lawton who discovered this. Um, Andrew, I keep an eye on CBC Kids News but it's not actually something I regularly go to. But this is stuff being pumped out to children. This is radical politics. I don't even think these are kid friendly discussions at all let alone weaponizing it and saying JK Rowling is a bad woman. This is so awful. Tell me your thoughts on this and how you came across it.
1: Yeah, I'm not one of these pearl clutching, won't somebody please think of the children types. I, I realize that kids can handle difficult conversations. I, I fully understand that. But when I was a kid, uh, kid shows were things like Arthur and the Magic School Bus. I wasn't watching the TV uh, to hear about, you know, transgender politics or any sort of politics. The show itself is called Recap, which is pitched as a news show. And it's uh, the irony is it's, it wouldn't even pass uh, the muster as being an adult news show because it's opinion but it's pitched as a news show and on the cbc website it says that it's for kids age six and up so as young as six years old is the target audience in cbc's eyes of this show called recap so the problem that i have with this is that they they've used very strong language they've referred to jk rowling the beloved author as quote transphobic a direct quote from the young man on the panel here they've told her she should read the room they've said that uh, those of us who menstruate aren't always female and they're passing it off as fact so a 6-year-old who's watching this who, who might not even know what menstruation is is being told that uh, menstruation is not about uh, whether you're female or not that anyone can so there's a lot packed into what was only really a 2-minute clip here and what i find most troubling about it is, is that this is pitched as news it's pitched it's pitched towards children and more importantly it it is mocking those who do what jk rowling did, which is talk about something from a, a biological perspective. She, but J.K. Rowling wasn't being anti-trans. She wasn't being bigoted. She was saying, listen, woman means something. Womanhood means something. And when I, I saw this, I, I was actually in disbelief, despite not holding CBC, by and large, up in the highest esteem, for all the reasons I, I just mentioned. And at, what was interesting, just on one note here, and I, I don't know if it was in the, the clip that was just played, at one point they say Daniel Radcliffe, the, the Harry Potter Potter film star who actually uh, reputed what uh, or refuted rather what J.K. Rowling said. They called him inspiring mm. for advocating for what he believes in. But she's supposed to just shut up.
0: Yeah, it's incredible. You know, uh, Sean Tran, the, the guy in the bottom right corner there, who, lecturing J.K. Rowling on what a good look is for women. I mean, in any other context, that would be called mansplain. Imagine a man. That, but the thing is, Sean Tran is a child actor. All these people are child actors. They're just very young people who can read lines with energy given to them by grown-ups. We don't actually know who wrote this. Uh, one thing we do know is it wasn't written by these three kids. So to have some young kid, a, an early teen, say to J.K. Rowling, it, you know, why don't you shut up telling us who a woman is or isn't? Uh, by, on the woke uh, wokometer. That's supposedly very low wokeness, a man saying to a woman, shut up, talking about being a woman. But the CBC, I guess, has gone full trans agenda. But the, I, I say again, these are not political thinkers. These are not even grown-ups. They are a trick. It's like, it's like a hand puppet. We don't even know who's behind it. I find this whole thing extremely troubling. The only, uh, you know, saving grace, Andrew, is that the viewership of these videos, if the public view counts on YouTube or anything to go by, are minuscule. Almost no one's watching this crap. I think maybe the audience in mind is only an audience of one. Uh, Justin Trudeau, for him to see this and, and pat the CBC on the head. I actually don't know any young person who would voluntarily watch this crap.
1: No, and and certainly the YouTube view count, you're right, is is dismally low. So there's a a fiscal argument against these uh, as much as there's a a content-based one. But at the same time, they're putting them on TV. There are a lot of parents that might be saying to their kids, listen, I'm doing dishes. Why don't you just watch what's on TV? And the kid thinks that, uh, or the parent thinks that the kid is going to be watching Arthur and then uh, they blink and it's J.K. Rowling is a transphobe and and that's what's passing for for children's entertainment. And you're right. I, I mean, children's personalities used to be about crafts and fun and jokes not shoving a, a political agenda and in, in what I wrote and, and what I said about this on my show I was very careful to not go after the host because I, I think they're symptoms of the problem here and and not themselves the problem you're right that they are are uh, parroting whatever the the grown-ups pulling the strings of, of this are, are trying to push on them you know I would say that a lot of parents need to say yes we're not going to watch this but it it needs to go beyond that because uh, you know this was an opinion show so even based on news and journalistic standards alone i don't think they could get away with this as easily on power and politics or something like that despite bias you might see on on other cbc programs they were they were parroting opinions they were doing them uh ineloquently and they're telling kids that something that is very complex is simple and factual when in actuality it was neither of those things
0: well that's a good point at at least the the state broadcaster, when it has a partisan panel, they pretend to have the full spectrum of opinion from A to B. Um, I mean, I noticed that last weekend they didn't even have any conservative MPs on their their political panels, which was quite something. Um, But yeah, I mean, in this, all three voices are pre-scripted. There is no difference of opinion. I, I take your point about uh, you can't be too tough on these kids because they're just child actors. They would literally say the opposite thing if that was the words put in front of them. But but there's a message being sent out by the CBC, which is the largest employer of, of media in the country, larger than all other private employers combined, in fact, that this is how you have to talk. This is how you have to think if you want to get ahead. So it's not even that it's persuasive on the marriage. It's just, oh... So that's how the CBC is, Um, and they'll even try and cancel the mighty feminist success story J.K. Rowling, single mom who works her way off welfare, becomes a billionaire through her talent, they're not afraid to cancel her for saying trans women are not women. So imagine what they would do to you. I think this is about the CBC telegraphing to the world what is or isn't acceptable to the government.
1: Yeah, and CBC Kids is particularly insidious in that regard. There was a story a few years ago, I think you might have covered it as well, where they had posted a a listing for a a host they were hiring, and they said the exact words were any race except Caucasian, so they were doing identity politics in their lineup. Uh, At another point, I think it was about a year ago, there was controversy when CBC Kids was glamorizing children who are drag performers, and they they had uh, children who are, are dressed up in drag performing in an area which is, has very much been a sexualized area drag performance and for adults that's fine do what you want but they were not only promoting it and drag children but glamorizing it and talking about how they were going to be uh slaying on the stage and, and anyone who criticized it of course w- was a bigot and a homophobe uh, so they are pushing an agenda here whether you want to admit it or not they are
0: yeah you know what uh, we've learned from another state broadcaster the bbc that their kids presenter, Jimmy Savile, was a serial child abuser who uh, molested kids for decades, hundreds and hundreds of kids, and the BBC covered it up. We also know that Hollywood is notorious for abusing child actors, Harvey Weinstein himself, um, but just uh, drugs and sex with minor children. So whenever young kids are involved in some showbiz thing, my I get nervous because I think, who is the predator here? Who's taking advantage? Now, we don't know if these kids are being taken advantage of in other ways besides just being turned into political puppets. But what we do know is that the audience, in a way, is being sexually groomed. Children, as you say, as young as six years old, are being spoken to in a friendly, energetic way about sexual things that shouldn't be treated by kids till much later. So in a way, young children are being taught by the producers of this channel talk about sex, talk about various sexual acts, talk about transgenderism, talk about all these sexual things. That's a form of grooming too, Andrew, because it's the state saying, hey kids, what used to be a private discussion or an adult discussion is totally cool for you at age six. And you know it's cool because these child actors say so. Maybe these child actors themselves are not being abused, but in a way, They're abusing their viewers.
1: Yeah, and I I don't want to, to, in my view anyway, go beyond what was in that clip alone, because uh, you know even if you accept everything at face value and you remove uh, other contexts and possibilities there, you're you're left with what is very easily and aptly described as indoctrination, and it's 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 so dangerous. Parents need to have a much more prominent role than many think in in kind of understanding what their kids are watching, because it's a standard assumption if you're not a, a political parent, if you're not someone who's really immersed in the culture wars like you and I are to think, oh yeah, I can just flip on CBC and my kids will watch it and they'll be uh, watching all these fun shows and laughing and and that's that. I I mean, we've joked in the past about people that have tried to say, you know, you got to ban Paw Patrol because it's patriarchal and, uh, you know, fascistic and all of these things. But there are a lot of people that have these political agendas that are managing to exact control over television programming for kids. And in CBC's case, they're doing it incredibly brazenly yeah,
0: you what a great point you can't watch paw patrol because it's too friendly and happy and you know all those puppies but let's uh, have you listen to some marxist critique of transgender uh, versus feminist battles unbelievable andrew lawton great to see you again uh, give us a quick uh, reminder what's the best website to listen to your show the andrew lawton show what's the best url for that
1: if anyone goes to andrewlawtonshow.com, it'll bring you right to the podcast page. And, and do subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, YouTube, wherever you want, uh, you can find us.
0: Yeah, and that, there's not even a fee for that, is there?
1: No, it's a completely free show.
0: Well, then there's no excuse not to subscribe. Andrewlawtonshow.com. Absolutely free. You can get it on the website or, as you say, any other place you get your podcasts, Apple and whatnot. And you are part of the team of talent uh, at True North and we just had your friend Candice Malcolm on the other day and all your stuff is at News. am I right? Yes, indeed. All right, well, I know our viewers naturally like you and Candace and your whole team, so hopefully they'll go to your, your stuff directly too. Great to see you, my friend. Keep up the fight.
1: Yeah, thanks to you too.
0: All right, there you have it. Andrew Lawton talking to us about this bizarre... It's a propaganda unit. That's all it is. It's not entertainment. It's propaganda. Stay with us. More ahead. <laughs> hey, hello, welcome back. On my monologue uh, last night, Wendy writes, The National Post will fold without Rex Murphy. Without the folks that read Rex Murphy, the National Post doesn't have much left for readership. Uh, attacking Rex Murphy for being white in 73 is not only racism, it is also ageism. You know, that would be true in the olden days. And by olden days, I mean when people paid for newspapers, when newspapers made money through advertising and subscriptions. But the fastest growing line item in Postmedia's financials, and I've read them, is Justin Trudeau. He's giving them between eight and ten million dollars this this year alone. That's all they care about. They would fire Rex Murphy ten times to keep Justin Trudeau. That's the only one reader they need. Vladimir writes. Rex Murphy is one of the few whose comments are worthwhile to follow. I agree. I think he's the only name brand writer there. I mean, there are also some other good writers there, but can you even name one? On my interview with Randy Hillier on opening the economy, Bruce writes, I'm glad the province of Ontario has Randy Hillier who can speak truth to the powerful. We've been locked down far too long. The next time the government sends a panic order, will people be so compliant? Oh, I regret they will. You know, I was just uh, looking at different jurisdictions. You know how many people are in hospital in all of Saskatchewan? 1.2 million people. Um, Two people in the hospital. You know how many people are in the hospital in Newfoundland? Zero. There is a single case of the virus in Newfoundland. And and he's not even, uh, he's staying at home. But the province is locked down. Where's the protests? There aren't none. Are we missing a freedom gene in our DNA or something? That's our show for today. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here at Rubber World Headquarters, see you at home. Good night. And keep fighting for freedom.